0: Hi, this is Ashley Eckstein, voice of Ahsoka Tano, and thank you for listening to the Super Awesome Geek Show.
1: Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Super Awesome Geek Show. Let's go with one of our co-hosts first. Jason, say hello. Hello. That's it today? Yes, that's it. (laughs) Sorry. All right, all right, all right. Hey, Christina, how are you doing today?
2: Good, tired. I was at the beach this morning. So, I don't know, it's something about the beach, how it zaps you. you.
1: You do, yeah, you love it when you're there, but when you get home, you want to go to sleep.
2: You're just like, holy crap, what did I do? <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, Christina is in L.A., right?
2: Uh, Orange County, actually, Anaheim.
1: Okay, Anaheim area, yep. And Jason is in the uh, Newport, wait, what is it called? Newcastle. Newcastle, Newcastle yeah, of Washington. And I am John, your host. And we're going to be talking toys today. So here we go. This is awesome. I am John, Wookiee impersonator and a Ladrin warlock with the Warriors of the Stars. Along came Jason, my bearded friend. Fabulous secret ideas revealed to me the day he came to my house and said. I want to make a podcast! Only two others share this secret. Eric of the Loch Ness and Jacob. Together we started talking about toys, comics, games, and movies on the Super Awesome Geek Show! Today we have a very great guest with us, someone that I really love talking to. Because he is so much into toys, and I'm so much into toys, and we always have something crazy to talk about. Sometime, I mean, the other day we had what a, a text message thing on Facebook that went probably like 20 or 30 messages. Right, Mark Bellamo?
0: Yes, indeed. Yeah, we were talking <laughs> about Black Star ice castles and, and <laughs> replacing flints on Black Star laser light figures. So, yeah, I love talking about toys. I'm glad to be here.
1: Yes, so welcome to the show, Mark Bellamo, and uh, the reason that uh, Mark and I got in contact with each other is because you've come out with a new book, The Ultimate Guide to Vintage Transformers Action Figures.
0: Yeah, uh, I believe it was supposed to be released uh, July 5th, which is tomorrow, but we always like to give, um, give fans about three different dates. And when we can beat the last date out to press, then it it makes me very happy. So I think the the book came out maybe a week, a week and a half ago. Um, So, yeah, yeah, it just dropped, and and the response has been overwhelmingly positive so far.
1: Yeah, I was uh, one of the guys that missed your first book, and uh, it, it had always been 100 or more whenever I've seen it. So I am so thankful that there is now another edition and this edition, i got to say, is fantastic. I love the pictures and the, the way that you've put each, each page together. The layout is just – it's perfect.
0: Well, I can't, I can't, can't take <laughs> any credit for that. Um, uh, I was responsible for the photos in the first edition, and I'm, I'm a terrible photographer. I don't consider aperture. I don't consider white balance because I, I'm, I'm not knowledgeable about it. So for this edition and for the last three or four books that I've done – Krausey Publications, who I work with, to put out my collectible books, um, flies and we spend about three or four days from eight in the morning till about 12 at night in uh, one of the bigger rooms in my house. And we shoot photos for, you know, for 12 to 15 to 16 hours a day. And so all the photos were reshot and And unfortunately, because uh, I'm not a wealthy industrialist, and I don't have uh toys for every single transformers mode. Uh the the photog- I had to explain it to the, t- to the photographer, you know, for some of the triple changers or for for six shot or quick. We're gonna six we're gonna changers. have to have yeah we're gonna have to uh you're gonna take a break and then I'm gonna transform this. But when I was a kid, when I was a kid and I was uh buying Transformers, the first thing I did when I took it home after I applied the stickers and, and removed it from the package, was I would read the instructions and I would transform the transformer, let's say, 15 to 25 times, so I could I could do it without looking at the piece. Um, so it became muscle memory after a little while. So it didn't take me a lot of time, uh, except for some of the bigger transformers like Fortress Maximus. It's it's not like it looks on the on the cartoon show where they can, they can air that little quick clip, you know, like I call it the $6 million clip, the $6 million man clip where it's, you know, and it's done. Yep. I have to say, wait for it, wait for it. And then, you know, I have to have, I have all my uh, Transformers instruction booklets next to me because there are, there are some, some esoteric transformations and there are certain things like on, um, uh, Trypticon, if you want to transform him into a city and then link him with Motormaster or with Onslaught, there are connectors, and I wanted to make sure I got those right. So, you know, there's there's some some odd things that I, I try and double check with the instructions. So yeah. it was it was fun. I mean, it's toys. Um, you know, I'm not going to complain that I, I write books about toys
1: and get, and, and get to play with them while and, you're
0: doing it. <laughs> and get to, and that's that's a statement that I. I was told people and my friends that I have to say in every interview which is when you buy one of my toy books everything that's in the book comes from my own collection I don't bag anything I don't borrow anything um I've about I think I've been saying I have about 65,000 action figures for like 10 years now I haven't I've lost count and I have about 125,000 comics so all that all that goes as as you know the proving ground to write the books so everything comes from my own collection
1: wow so, um, you, you, I think we had said that you, you had told me that you have pretty much everything from, was it the sixties out up to today?
0: Well, I, you know, I, I like to say I have all, let's say the, the, the primary, the secondary and most of the tertiary toy lines from the advent of the medium with, with Captain Action uniform and equipment sets and GI Joe 11 and three quarter, 12 inch GI Joe's from Sixty four to seventy six on up. OK. Um, but, you know, I've got to pick and choose. I try and stay away from some of the odder items like it, usually if it had um, either a comic book tie in, a toy tie in or some medium, some delivery of a narrative. Even if it's like air raiders or uh, sure, yeah. sectors, then I'm gonna buy it. So yeah, there's probably about 150 to 250 toy lines that I've that I've finished, and that's wow. that's just the domestic collections. I try not to get into the UK or Euro stuff, but it's hard not to. Um, what's in a good example? Mar the Marvel superheroes Secret Wars toy line that was put out by mattel in 1984 and 1985 the euro exclusive three figures constrictor electro and um who else constrictor electro and i'm trying to picture them. well regardless those three (laughs) figures i was just writing about them so now i'm lost those three finger figures you've got to kind of throw into the mix because they're unique molds um they weren't just iceman they weren't just really repaints and there was, you know, uh, when you get into the UK G.I. Joe stuff, the UK Tiger Force figures, even though they're essentially repaints, they're beautiful like Outback and and sure. Tiger Force Psych Out. So, or Starcom's uh, mobile action pods, uh, because I felt so gypped by uh, the G.I. <laughs> Joe Battle Force 2000 Future Fortress, I felt that I had to kind of redeem myself by buying those four more mobile action pods and making a fortress with them that actually clicks together. That's cool. So I, you know, I work like, I've always worked like four or five different jobs so I could afford this. Yeah. Um, and I've been collecting since, probably action figures since about like 76, 77 and comic books since about like 79, 80. And I never hmm. threw anything out, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's kind of the way I was, too. I, I mean, there's some things I've gotten rid of as sold off in the, in the years, but usually it's to get more of the stuff that I really want to collect.
0: You know? Every time I've sold something, um, you know, I, I think I was in my first really serious relationship Or what I thought was a really serious relationship at like 15 or 16. So I said, well, I'm going to sell my superpowers figures because I want to take her out on a nice date. And I want to buy her this gold chain. No, it wasn't a gold chain. It was like a Mizpah necklace, you know, where she has one half and I have the other half. Okay, So I I sold a bunch of stuff so I could take her out. And every time I've done that, I'm not saying, you know, for whatever reason – I've always looked back and said, well, I probably shouldn't have sold that superpower cyborg figure for $25. <laughs> so I, the easier, the simpler solution is just work four or five jobs. That way I don't have to sell it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was, there, was, there was one thing that I had gotten rid of when I was younger. It was the uh, Death Star playset for the Kenner line and you know that pie piece thing that's like four or five levels
0: oh yeah I, I, it's in my uh, ultimate guide to vintage star wars yeah I have
1: yeah it. but um then i recently in the local star wars club the guys were able to uh piece me together one for about 20 bucks and I, there's still a few parts i got to track down but it's mostly there so send I'm me very, uh send me happy. a list if
0: you're looking for something because i know i have a, a box of parts <laughs> One.
1: Um, All right, I'll let you know. Yeah, let me... <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I guess like this Transformers book, so how did it come about? And I mean, like, does Krause contact you when they want a new book, or do you just kind of approach them?
0: They trust me um, because I, I always write a minimum like of one book for them a year. It's usually Toys and Prices or some antiques and collectible book. Um, some industry marketplace guide. So I'm I'm constantly in contact with them throughout the year. And usually if I notice that, uh, talking to my contacts at Hasbro or at Lucasfilm or or working for Mattel, if I notice that someone from Sony is optioning this or Paramount's optioning this, a new Transformers movie co- is coming out, that was the excuse for the um, the first edition of the Transformers book, when the first Transformers film came out, I said, "Well, why don't I?" Uh, I think I was missing maybe 12 or 15 pieces from the Generation One line and maybe a few accessories. Okay. So when I heard rumblings, usually when I hear that there that a script has been approved, then we're usually about a year or two at the max away from a finished film. So that means I've got to start fit within the next. 2 months I've got to finish that collection, put a pitch together, convince the acquisitions editor that this project is going to be viable because there's going to be a, a media presence. Yep. And uh, and that's what helped deliver the first Transformers book was, I think the book came out 6 months before the movie drop. So we have six we had 6 months of lead-in time and then maybe 2 or 3 months of really highly driven sales and then you know we have Christmas time sales.
1: My, goal, sure.
0: my goal when I, I I don't I'm not self-publishing these books when I write a book if, if you look on Amazon I think I've I've worked on let's say 20 to 40 different books um when I write a book it's for a book company and ultimately I'm responsible for selling that product for them sure um so I've got to be considerate particularly with The Ultimate Guide to Transformers, The Ultimate Guide to G.I. Joe, The Ultimate Guide to Star Wars, because if I pitch a project that doesn't sell, then why would they have faith in me to pursue The Ultimate Guide to He-Man and the Master of the Universe slash Princess of Power? Why would they have faith in me to deliver The Ultimate Guide to Marvel Superheroes action figures? Uh, Because I have a track record where I can hopefully... Sell ten thousand copies within two years of sales, if I can keep doing that, then any book that I pitch they 're going to say um, yes to, as long as I provide statistical evidence that merits them you know investing in me and the project, which is why i 've never done a a second volume to g i Joe, which would be let's say uh, nineteen ninety seven to two thousand and six because the fan base isn't there. That is, that's almost a, a bigger of a niche market. Everyone knows Snake Eyes yeah. and Storm Shadow and Cobra Commander and Duke and Scarlet, but people don't know some of the other names: Dart, um, you know, Venomous Maximus. Nobody, <laughs> no, those names don't resound with the with the general public. And as much as we collectors would like to think that we fuel the sales of toys, comics, video games. We we are a decent amount of the marketplace somewhere between 8 and at the maximum 20%, but impulse buys and casual fans are always going to dominate the marketplace. So you have to give you have to put something out there that is going to be a good impulse impulse buy so that you're getting the diehards who support it and approve of it and then you're also going to get um, my wife, who knows I'm a fan of X, she's going to buy that for me. Um, her sure. husband, her husband knows she's a fan of Star Wars and she's going to buy that book as she's leaving Barnes and Nobles. That's important
1: to I them. See, and I to see me. what you mean. Yeah. 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 Interesting. I, for one, would really want the, uh, He-Man and the, um, what did you say? He-Man and you're saying the Su- Oh, yeah, yeah. That. And then you were saying the Marvel heroes. Well,
0: the, yeah, the, I, I need superhero. You well, know, the problem <laughs> with the He-Man book is you just can't write a, a, a vintage Masters of the Universe book because I think the entire line, even if you include, let's say, Titus and Megator and and Laser Light Skeleton and Laser Power He-Man really? pieces, and if okay. the, the books at the low end have to be a minimum of 250 pages. <laughs> that means each entry is going to get a full page dedicated to it, which is why wow. if if I do propose something to Krause, and and I I believe maybe a few months ago there were there were rumors that a script is being treated right now, then it's got to be a joint book of He-Man, and the Master of the Universe, and Shira, Princess of Power, and some of those Shira figures are are far rarer and far more beautiful than any Master of the Universe product, so. Um, but uh, Mattel really has a stranglehold on licensed properties, so we'll see how that goes in a few years.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah,
0: yeah. They're uh, they're they're very protective of their properties, so you know. Uh, is, do you Hope think Springs,
1: do you think that's why the film is being like we always hear about something and then it seems like it's delayed or whatever?
0: I think they're just very. um uh, Considerate about the properties that they have. I mean, you know, they delivered us one of the one of the great uh, retro lines of all time, Masters of the Universe Classics, which is directly made for fans. So I just think they're very protective. They're very careful about the properties that they own, particularly with Lego, where it is right now nipping at their heels. So, and I'm I'm glad they are but it makes it more challenging to get to get non-officially licensed books on He-Man and DC superheroes on the market.
1: I see, I see.
0: And I don't like, um, I don't opine, I don't editorialize in my books, um, but there is a certain amount of restriction when you produce an officially licensed book you're really going to be told what you can do, what you can cover, and how you can cover it, and I I don't think that that's, um, that's a fruitful way to pursue a book for collectors.
1: Yeah, I understand, yeah. Jason, Christina, do you have any uh, questions or any toys you want to talk about with Mark real quick? Yeah,
0: hi guys. Hi, Jason. Hi, Christina. How are you? <laughs> well, I, I was trying to remember if I'd asked this last time, but I was wondering again about how if uh, 3D printing had really affected any of these toys and the fact that sometimes there's accessories, little accessories you're missing almost impossible to get otherwise, maybe we could start printing them? Well, I think people think already are. Are, are mean, they already doing that? At, yeah, when you're looking <laughs> at, um, at let's say a very hard-to-find accessory in the G.I. Joe line, there's a character named Heavy Metal that came with the main battle tank called the Mauler and Heavy Metal the figure is worth about, you know, 8 to $12 on the secondary market. But it came with this tiny little microphone mouthpiece. <laughs> it's probably maybe at the most a quarter of an inch long and maybe a millimeter or two thick. And it's impossible. You can't find it. That piece alone sells for between 110 and $150, wow. just that wow. little thing. So for many moons, there have been reproduction. If you go online... You can find reproduction items for, for Star Wars accessories, for G.I. Joe accessories, for Transformers accessories. But to, to deal with your question, Jason, um, we have to be really, really careful. Because 3D printing is so advanced. And I, I worked at a university that had a 3D printing lab. One of the biggest 3D initiatives in the United States was at the school that I worked at. SUNY New and I saw it up close I mean they can make exact reproductions and the danger of 3d printing as it impacts accessories is they make exact reproductions um they might not be able to faithfully with any amount of exactitude get the color and the quality of the plastic right but Mm. if you look at it I mean you're laser scanning a microphone yeah. or an accessory—it's going to look exactly like it, but but you know, be wary. And I get this question a lot, particularly on the Transformers book that I just did. Reproductions were not inauthentic um, because there have been a lot of knockoffs made in the last five years. Um, even the the companies that produced um, Transformers, Hasbro, excuse me, and Takara made reissues of these transformers in the last since uh, 2001 2002 yeah well i i bought a lot of my stuff right off the marketplace and saved it and then bought the accessories i needed a lot of the stuff i bought was mint and sealed box or mint in box hmm. in sealed baggies so a lot of my toys were bought literally at retail in the store and then i, I completed them a lot of my collections were finished before let's say 2005 before the proliferation of reproductions occurred so you know jason it's if you're a casual fan or a casual collector and you're you love the heavy metal figure <laughs> and you don't have his microphone you can reproduce it and you can feel good knowing that in whatever color you want to reproduce it in it, knowing that you have that microphone and that you can display him. The evils come. What happens if you sell your collection yeah. one day yeah. and an un- unethical uh, secondary shop dealer says, oh, here's heavy metal with a mic. Uh, that's $210. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, he doesn't know. It's, it, it's a very slippery slope. It's a very slippery slope. Very interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but were you also, Jason? Did your question also kind of pertain to um, like the creation of new figures, or were you really just considered with the bootleg? I specifically just think about the the vintage ones, just because the bootlegging and everything, sort Mm -hmm. of, in a sense, yeah. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't. Jason, if you type in, yeah, (laughs) if you took, if you type in knockoff or bootleg, particularly, there are I know people who won't buy masterpiece Transformers. Because they know that within six months to a year, Korea, a Korean factory, is going to reproduce that Masterpiece Transformer for a quarter of what the actual one sells for. And the wow. plastic might be the same. Oh, this is happening. Wow. You could type that in Google right now. <laughs> yeah. You, can, you know, I, I was, had a conversation last night with a gentleman in a convenience store that I go to. Um, his name's Jeremy. And he said, I really want a Masterpiece sound wave." I said, yeah, it's a beautiful figure. You should get yourself one. I said, they're only like, you know, $150, $200. He said, when's the last time you bought one? I said, I bought it, you know, at retail, I think at a toy. He said, no, they're they're quite a bit more on the secondary market. Yeah. I thought they were pretty ubiquitous. He, I said, and then he said, you know, I don't know what to do. And the evil side of me said, thought in, you know, in the dark recesses of my mind, you should just wait until Korean factory makes one. And I thought, wow, that's really, that's what people are doing. Yeah. So there is 3D printing um, and, and there are cheaper ways to manufacture it. All, all I can say is try and support uh, the actual toy lines that are out there because part of the money that they make from your per- purchases goes into research and development for more products. And if you look at, what Hasbro and Takara are doing with Transformers right now, what they just did with Combiner Wars and what they're doing with the Titans figures. They're, they're basically bringing the headmasters figures back on a greater scale. So, you know, third party where, while it's, they're beautiful figures. It's also on the flip side, it's caused Hasbro to kind of step up their game a little bit with articulation and detail. So it's, And cheaper printing of plastic toys and accessories becomes more accessible. I mean, I think you can buy 3D printers, lower end 3D printers, for less than three hundred fifty dollars now.
1: Yeah, I think you can get the low end ones. I feel like I've heard of some as low as two hundred dollars.
0: Those fall apart. I've seen those. <laughs> you know, I, I would limit it to four hundred and under at this point. But I they're useful. I mean, you know, is is there going to come a time when we might not even need uh, a Kickstarter campaign. We can just sketch something out and scan it um, having a little bit of prowessing technical drawing and then making your own action figure line it It's possible in the next fifteen years. I think it's I, absolutely I, possible.
1: yeah, I agree. I, that, I mean that's been going through my mind myself, just like trying to create something and make my own kind of line and i've been having ideas for figures already so that when the day comes that there is a printer that i like the quality of at the price range i can afford and then also produce the figures in an amount that i feel like is affordable because sometimes those either blocks or the liquid can cost money or the rope you know depending on what machine you have some yes. of those blocks some of those materials can cost more than what an action figure is in a store you know? yes
0: Without a doubt, yes.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of like balancing
0: but, all that cost, you know. But, John, don't even stop there. Go a step further. If you're very proud of your product, and and let's say it's three years from now. I'm talking to John. John says, dude, I've got to show you what I made. And I look at him, and I say, wow, these rival in terms of not just the toy themselves, but the narrative that you've constructed. Because the narrative is, is ultimately what's going to get it bitten on from companies you should get a pass to the international toy fair and set up a booth And you get picked up by toys r us by distributors it's just people don't know this yeah that's what that's what the toy fair there is for in the javis center is for you to show the buyers from these big and smaller companies that what you have is valuable
1: yeah and i hear it's easy to get in there right
0: I've 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 been there as a member of the press. I've never set up, so I think it's relatively yeah, easy I, to ask as a, I feel as like
1: a, I've heard it is relatively easy, yeah. yeah. So uh Mark, so my top three action figure lines, I I've always loved Star Wars, that has been my number one. Transformers has always been my number two and those are the two that I you know collect to this day even with the modern figures you know i love the star wars black series six inch especially and like you said the transformers combiner wars i know i'm looking forward to these titan ones the titan things coming right what is it i have
0: a few they're beautiful yeah and titan's return
1: titan's return that's it yeah and uh then my third favorite line is probably gi joe but i only really you know there's not a whole lot out there like you said i think the market has died for the uh military hero kind of figure people want more space and robots right
0: well hasbro and idw are going back to the drawing board right now with revolution so what they're trying to do is they're going to make a unified gi joe universe with other 80s properties injected in there rom micronauts oh yes all of these are going to be resurrected i believe
1: i did hear something about that
0: they are bringing the brand back The traditional G.I. Joe three and three quarter inch vintage brand back next year or this year, Um, starting, I believe, in September, you're going to see two packs of figures and some some stuff in Toys R Us. I'm not sure if it's going to be nationally released, but they are they they have a, a guy on the brand right now who I was nervous about initially who is absolutely remarkable and has some vision, and Daryl DePriest, who who I've known for I don't know 15 years, they have curators on the brand who aren't gonna let it languish. So have all faith. Right, I see. We're very we're all very spoiled because you know there was a, a time there from like let's say 2001 2002 up until three or four years ago where you could walk into a Toys R Us or a department store. Toy section, and you'd turn around and you'd see G.I. Joe, Strawberry Shortcake, Transformers, My Little Pony, Star Wars, He Man. You would see every 80s yeah. toy brand on the sculpting than we had with great backstories, and we were spoiled. And I think, and, and I'm speaking of myself, by myself here too, because we were so spoiled, particularly with Star Wars, with with the stuff that came out for the Legacy Collection and the Black Series and the Vintage Collection and yeah. the Clone Wars, we were so damn spoiled by that stuff, John. <laughs> yeah, that was some good stuff. I mean, uh, good stuff. Have, <laughs> have you looked at the prices of that stuff recently? I have been hearing that. Yes, I mean, do, like, do an eBay completed item search on like uh, a Tailender, like the Emperor's Royal Guard, a completed oh, item. Oh yes, search.
1: no, yes, I did. Those I, are like one hundred fifty dollars like-
0: now. I because, thought about it
1: one day because I was yeah. like, I've got an emperor, and I said, I can't believe I never got two royal guards. I, I should look. I should look them up, and then I can pop the package open and set them in my shelf with the other, with the emperor, you know. And then I go online to look, and I'm, yeah, they were over a hundred dollars, and I was like, holy crap, you know. Even if I did find one, I can't open it.
0: I can't. I just can't open a hundred dollar well, thing. <laughs> John, I think, um, and Jason and Christina, I, mm-hmm. I think in in about fifteen or twenty years. We're going to be looking back at that period from about 2002 until about 2010 as as a time that all the vintage 80s brands were resuscitated by their original manufacturers. The pet, Look at G.I. Joe, the 25th anniversary. Yep. Look at Masters of the Universe Classics, Transformers Generation, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Mm-hmm. And they did it. With such, I mean, look at look at Friendship is Magic. I don't even know if you've watched that cartoon, but that cartoon is as bimodal as Chuck Jones Bugs Bunnies. Mm-hmm. There, they make that cartoon not just for kids, but they make it for adults. Pinkie Pie defies the laws of gravity <laughs> and yes. breaks the and breaks the fourth wall just like Bugs did. So we're seeing the resuscitation of brands that we came to in our formative years except they're delivered with modern technology and a modern sensibility so that you know we're gonna see values for specifically the twenty-fifth pursuit of cobra for gi
1: joe
0: um, for mass of the universe classics for friendship is magic and for the vintage collection we're gonna see those prices continue to climb and they're gonna be Other than the original vintage characters, they're going to be the kind of, you know...
1: The thing that collectors
0: want, yeah. John, here's what I'll say. That vintage collection Emperor's Royal Guard that came out in, I think, 2010 is now more valuable mint on card than his vintage Emperor's Royal Guard Return of the Jedi Companion because that figure has... 20 blah blah points of articulation. It has swap-out heads. It has soft goods that actually are removed, and yeah. that is—they are now the iconic iteration, the the Platonic form, the ideal of that character delivered. Because plastic is so prohibitive, we're not going to be able to see. Those detailed of toys delivered at retail as economically as they were yeah. from 2002 to 2010. So if you want to make an investment, a long-term investment, buy the hardest to find items from those toy lines and sit on them for 15 years and, and they'll be worth money. I mark my words. Yes. And I never give investment advice, but I'll say that those the, the more iconic figures from those lines delivered, you know, I'm telling you, plastic costs and, and tooling and and gasoline and transportation no or they'll
1: or they'll all just be 5poa because i gotta tell you even though they went to 5poa on the star wars figures i think when you if you open those guys and mess around with them they are top-notch figures i I really like the detail and i'm fine with having 5poa now in that line
0: do you have a an insert sound for tumbleweeds slash crickets slash, <laughs> slash whispering wind. You uh, you're you're, so well, you're but, totally opposite my feeling. John, huh? I'm trying. I'm I am a glass <laughs> I am a glass half full guy. I always have been. I am an incurable eternal optimist. Ask anyone who knows me. But when I go into a store and and just A short while ago, I was buying from the Black Series, from the Vintage Figure Collection, these iconic, again, platonic representations of these characters. And then within a year and a half, I'm getting a 5POA snowtrooper with one accessory. (laughs) (laughs) But then again, I've got to filter it through the fact that I have whatever, however many Millennium Falcons were made by Hasbro and Kenner from 1978 until, you know, the end of the vintage figure collection, or until Force Awakens. Yeah, I have right. that. I have that many Millennium Falcons. So when <laughs> I compare for $150, the Force Awakens Millennium Falcon with oh the $170 Millennium Falcon that I bought for the Legacy Collection.
1: Yep, yep, yep. There's no comparison.
0: I I just I can't I can't do it, man.
1: Yeah.
0: What was um, Christina laughed a couple times when I said My Little Pony. Are you well, aware? Of I, I was going to point
1: out that, uh, Christina, Mark not only collects these boy toys, if you want to call them, but <laughs> um, he does have, like, the My Little Ponies and the shortcakes, and you've even collected the Monster High, right?
0: I have every Monster High figure. Yeah,
1: like, he's, he even collects the lines that traditionally would have been considered girl lines. Glamour mm-hmm.
0: gals, I have a full collection with the Ocean, Ocean Queen cruise oh, ship. Wow. I have I have the original number two, number three ponytail Barbie from '59. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. When I was when I was little, I um, had all the strawberry shortcakes.
0: Um, beautiful figures.
2: I don't even know where they ended up. Well, but Christina, uh,
0: they're still they're still not that expensive to buy, even right. sealed. They're beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful I dolls.
2: all I remember is I I remember as a kid I played with them. But I kept them nice, and it was just just how I was as a kid because I was like, oh, I don't want to mess these up. I think I had one or two Barbies that you know were wild and crazy haired, but the rest of them I tried to keep nice. Like, and then I think like a couple years ago, um, someone said, oh, you know those peaches and cream Barbie dolls were worth, and I forgot someone said how much. I'm like, oh. I wonder where that Barbie ended up. <laughs> you know, like crap. Well, but
0: you know, but you know what, Christina, my sister. If you look at, I, I put out. I don't know, if, John. Did I ever get you a copy of uh, my 80s toy book? I don't think so. Not, I'll, not the whole compulsive one. I'll send one. you guys. A, it's out of print now, but I, I, know I have a case somewhere. I'll send you guys my totally tubular 80s toys. Yeah. And I care too much about my sister's toy lines from the 80s, and I built on them. My wow. sister had, you know, let's say 15 to 20 Cabbage Patch kids. Oh, so yeah. I'm, I just visited my, my parents' house maybe three weeks ago, and I found, I found out not only did, when you bought a Cabbage Patch kid, did you send in information to receive an adoption paper. Uh-huh. What Xavier Roberts did, one year after you adopted that figure, he sent you a one-year birthday card. Oh, wow. Wow. I never did, and I found sealed birthday. My sister didn't throw out anything. So yeah. I found you know her Glamour I, Gale. Go ahead, Christina. Do
2: you know what I have? When you said Xavier, it reminds me I have a hope chest from all the things from teenage years and kid years. And my mom went through her house and got rid of all my stuff, which my cabbage patches were in there. And my very first one, um, I think my stepdad waited in line for like two hours to get her. That uh, happened. That yeah yeah she, she he, she's in there her name's Yolanda but I remember one year someone got me a cabbage patch doll and it wasn't in the same year and they got me a boy and I was so mad because I was like I I was a I was a little girl I'm like I don't want a boy
0: doll but Christina that was what? a very big thing yeah for it's girls me. you wanted what you wanted and I remember if you got something that you didn't want you wouldn't be upset. Your friends would kind of ostracize you as well. It was really <laughs> this but, was a big deal. Yeah, but Cabbage it's Patch it's, were huge.
2: And I remember the boy doll's name. And guess what his name is? Go ahead. His name is Xavier.
0: <laughs> I, what is I the irony? That's it's, fantastic.
2: It's hilarious. Wow. I all I know is that. that but um, I. I and the only thing I remember about Transformer toys was uh, my brother, you know, the ones he had and he would sit there and I can't get this guy to go this way and we'd be sitting there <laughs> and it felt like playing Rubik's Cube
0: with you know <laughs> well, Oh well, you know, Christina, it's funny we we talk about eighties about toy lines and we talk about what Hasbro did with G.I. Joe and Transformers in terms of merchandising with toys and comics but really, really? Your friend, my friends, Philip Reed wrote a book, and I was reading one of his books the other day, and I'll I'll send you guys a link. It was really Strawberry Shortcake and American Greetings, who approached in 1980, a few years, looking at the success of Star Wars, who really started to get around the FCC regulations. Well, we can't have a TV show, but we can make a special, and we can promote these characters through greeting cards, which is what was done with Care Bears, too. But yeah, Strawberry, a big yeah, girl. <laughs> Strawberry Shortcake really did a lot um, in terms of, of marketing that was then used by Hasbro and Mattel to approach um, uh, licensed toy lines that were in-house creations. Like He-Man was not based on a film. It's something that someone created. Yeah. Right. Um, and Strawberry you know.
2: Shortcake made a big comeback about 10 years ago yes. or yes, or, or less than 10 years ago yes, and they changed everything. They made her more um likable, I think to 8 6 through ages 6 through like 9 year olds Yep. They made her more you know, they updated her just like uh, My Little Pony. I mean, My Little Pony can be liked by anyone. You go on a hot topic and they had men's uh, swim trunks with My Little Pony, the Derpy Pony and all that stuff. I mean yeah. they made my little pony likeable for anyone. The one thing I remember my brother collecting was the Dick Tracy uh oh, the
0: Playmates figures from the, from the early nineties, yes.
2: That he collected um the Dick Tracy figures and we had to watch the movie over and over again and <laughs> play with the toys. And I just, that, I remember I was so big on that. But as far as, okay, I do have a question. How Yeah. I, I sit there and as John knows, I watch Chris Perlow's videos on, you know, when he opens the star Wars his, when he was a kid and stuff, how does one tell? I don't know
0: what that is. Describe to me what that is.
2: The star Wars toys.
1: Oh, no, no, like he just does a YouTube channel where he opens right. up the what's his
2: name
0: What's his name again? Chris perillo? okay, so i'll I'll check that out then.
2: yes, okay. you should um i I watch him open these toys and I'm like, how do you know unless it comes in the package, you know in in the package or whatever, how do you know that that was an original? Like You guys were talking like someone could do a 3D thing or make an old one or a knockoff or a Japanese version or something. How do you know that that was an original Star Wars figures unless it was yours as a kid?
0: Well, usually what happens is particularly with the most valuable figures, what I say is if you're paying $300 or more for a figure, <sighs> make sh- make sure you either buy it from a reputable dealer or make sure you have it authenticated. Yeah. There there are, Christina, there are literally dozens of websites out there that can like I can I can eyeball from most toy lines from carded figures to loose figures to their accessories. Like for Star Wars reproduction, there's a drop test and a float test and, yeah. oh, okay. and yeah, all this stuff. I think he did so, a float test yeah, on there are mentioned. there are ways to determine that. But, but still, you know, certain things will fall through the cracks, but it's, it's incumbent upon you as the buyer to get an education so that you, you know, particularly nowadays, I mean, I'm so glad that, that I finished, let's say 98% of the stuff that I wanted to attempt um, because with the technology being what it is today, it is very, very easy to produce quality card backs and bubbles and the foot peg inserts. And it's wow. very, yeah, you know, even, even Christine, even eight years ago, you know, I, I saw some reproduction card backs and, and, you know, you could tell it wasn't, it was kind of a, a flat, it wasn't glossy like the originals right. and, Nowadays it's it's so well done but usually what what responsible reproduction um package makers do is on the back in the Star Wars circle the proof of purchase they'll put their company's name rather than Kenner's.
1: Yes. Uh, so okay.
0: Um you know it's and,
1: and the date codes on the figures themselves are very hard to get yes. replicated, right? Yes. As it sits awesome. right now, but 10 years
2: from now, who knows? Well, and then my, my next question was, um, and see, I've, that's the only thing I based on collectible toys is those videos I saw. Um, when someone wants a collectible figure, I mean, it depends on what the, how, the, how they want it in their collection. If they want it pristine, brand new, no marks, no scratches, no dents. Um, I know some of them, you know, the card is bent or the bubbles dented or you know, it's and the bubble is picking up. You know yeah, what I it's, mean?
0: It's up to the collector. Uh, I, I'm going through kind of a crisis of conscience right now. I'm, I'm working on my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toys. OK, so let's say I have the first six years of the collection. Everything is sealed everything that I own is sealed. So I'm getting ready to take photos and I've written the flavor text and I'm looking at some of the toys and I'm like, okay, wait a second. When I bought these, I think I bought those turtles in in early 89 for 99 cents on an end cap at a KB toy store. (laughs) I even, when I went there that day, they had the Playmates uh, cardboard shipping cases. So what I did was I took two of their shipping cases and I put 24 in each case and I packed them in there and I packed them away and I have a sealed sewer playset, a mint and sealed box and a Technodrome and all this stuff and I just realized that I need photos of this stuff loose for the website that I'm constructing. But Christina, I can't in good conscience open any of this stuff because right. a mint and sealed box sewer playset that could be anywhere from let's say 400 to 800 dollars depending on condition but maybe was... more yeah maybe more if i get it graded but what i had to do was i had to find a mint loose complete one over the years and i built it so now i'll take the photos of the sealed thing um i'll probably keep it because it's just going to keep going up but like for the figures there are some figures that I now have to go out and buy because I can't open up a mint unsealed card like, let's say, Hothead or Scratch because the second I do, I just I just took $300 bills and threw them on my window on fire.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Anyone who opens a valuable mint unsealed box toy For sensationalism's sake, is is a very peculiar person, and it's (laughs) it's literally thumbing your finger at poor people, and I find that disgusting and reprehensible. Because that's real money. Like I work four jobs, and I I work very hard to have what I have, and and you know I'm very you know careful about what I have, and and I make sure that absolutely nothing is wasted. So you know we. It's, and there's a huge difference between something that is mint loose, complete, mint in a box, or mint in a sealed box. You could be talking a thousand yeah. percent difference in terms of profit. So yeah. it's a it's a slippery slope. And and what I have to say, you know, to, to your fans is don't think just because you don't own a toy from the early 80s that it's not worth money you know as i was telling these folks that star wars vintage collection stuff from i think it's 08 to 2011 or 20 that vintage collection stuff is a very expensive stuff now especially, the, loose. especially
1: yeah. the 2010 2011 they got really scarce yeah. near the end
0: uh Female Jedi Knight. Oh, Ahsoka
1: up. Tano. Yeah, 100... the
0: Ahsoka Tano is is I think 125 to 150 dollars loose. I was thinking now.
1: 150 loose. Yeah, 300 yeah. or more in the package. So
0: just do do me a favor if you're not going to do yourself a favor. Go on eBay, do a completed item search, uh, on what you have and find a picture that kind of approximates what's in front of you just so you get an education because what I see people doing every day is they take their box of strawberry shortcake dolls they go down to the local collectible store and what local store dealers will do often is they'll say I only have $200 in the register that's what I can pay for this <laughs> even if you have $1,100 worth of stuff in front of you wow. get, get well I mean th- I'm sorry, that's their job, you know, and it's your job to know the um, value of the stuff that you own, and it's so simple. If you have an internet connection, you can look it up or email me or email John. Get me on Facebook. Please, please, please consult an expert. I had a a woman in upstate New York whose son. was a huge G.I. Joe fan. And he had two carded, two-plus carded samples of most figures from 82, 83, and 84. I think he had, like, four Cobra Commander mint on card wow. figures. These are all sealed. Yeah. And the let's say she had, in total, 80 pieces. Okay? Uh, that's probably probably, let's say, 50 pieces. Okay? The local guy at the local store was going to give her $500. Yeah. Now, that that's a third of what one of the Cobra commanders in decent condition would sell for. Yeah. So I said, do me a favor. Take photos. You find a relative of yours who's used eBay. Let them put them up for you. First, I asked, do you have a couple hundred dollars you can give? to your relative to pay for the PayPal fees and the eBay fees. And they said, yeah, we have that money because they were getting ready to retire. They sold it all. I think they made like $18,000, something, something ludicrous. And that's, that's what, what I'm nervous about is, you know, people taking advantage of others, um, because of, of what they own. Always get an education. Please, please, please. It, it, The internet is instantaneous. You know, just go on eBay, consult an expert, email them. Please do that. Just because, you know, I don't know about you, but $2,000 is $2,000 bills. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Right.
1: And there's a site for just about everything. I mean, there's He-Man.org for He-Man, which is great. I'm I'm sure you've used it, right, Mark? Yep. And then for Star Wars, you've used uh, Rebel Scum. You've used Jedi Business, right? Go to
0: He-Man.org. Go to Rebel Scum, go to Transformerland, TFW, go to these
1: places,
0: get on a forum, join a forum, wait to get your password and activate it, and go on a forum that says buy and sell and say, I have this stuff, here's photos, what do I do? Yeah. And if you have good stuff, there's going to be a bidding war. You'll start getting offers, yeah. There's going to be a bidding war and... You will get emails from people who will say that that guy's trying to rip you off and blah, yeah. blah, blah. So, you know, yeah, it's get an education, please. It's so important. It's so important.
1: But my original question when I brought up the three lines <laughs> was what are everybody else's favorite three from the 80s, 90s, 80s, 90, 70s, 80s, 90s? I guess we could go. Jason, do you have three? I think I just have two of the uh, Master Universe and Transformers. Yeah. Yeah. Christina,
2: then it, what do I have?
1: Like, what were your favorites when you were a kid? Your told your favorite toys. Like, were they Strawberry Shortcake and Care Bears? Or yeah,
2: pretty much Strawberry Shortcake, Care Bears, and um, I played with I played a lot of Barbie.
0: Yeah. Hmm. And Mark yeah, and those Care Bears and the Care Bear cousins, and they uh-huh. they were just so <laughs> iconic and beauty. Yeah. Yeah, I I. Christina, I own that, all that stuff. So and my brother um, had
1: pound puppies too. Did you,
0: <laughs> I, if
1: my brother did that, yeah, they, he had my brother had pound puppies and he had two cabbage patch kids, Crandall and Danny,
0: but I'll I think he made up a, the names. I'll send you a, a copy of the eighties book. And I, I actually have a pound puppy in his original shipping crate that oh. you found him in the card with the, with the, um, the my registration certificate. Yeah, that's what it was, yep. yeah. I have it all. I have it all. Um, so my my favorite three toy lines. The first toy line I ever started collecting was Mego's official world's greatest superhero action figures. Oh they yeah. They were, were ages tall. Yeah. Could license superheroes from both DC and Marvel, so you could have Batman fight yeah. Spider-Man, and you could have they the only other like Lego. So those were growing up those were you know the be all the alpha and omega mm-hmm. of of what I love those and and any line associated with world's greatest which was the the comic action heroes and the pocket superheroes and all that stuff will be on my website. Um uh GI Joe when I was growing up was the first line where I I felt I had an adult level passion for it. Huh? Um, where I started recording stuff and making sure to take care of everything as I was buying it, whether it was a mail-away form, Um, those two, you know, Star Wars, between those two, I I mean, I was so immersed. Um, You know, I was into Star Wars right up till The middle of 82 when I saw G.I. Joe figures, and I remember standing in a KB toy store, I had an Empire Strikes Back Zuckus in my hand, and I saw in the end cap there were these action figures, and I picked one up, and it was a mortar soldier, and he had a helmet, a visor, an 81-millimeter mortar a bipod or a stand for the mortar and an ammo backpack and he had way more articulation. Yep. So I bought the military figure. I bought short fuse in the vamp that day. So, you know, but then I, I'd have to go for, I'd have to say the Mego superheroes, Transformers, uh, G.I. Joe and star Wars. I mean, I'm, I'm very mercurial, whatever book I'm working on now, I'm, I'm in love with that toy line because yeah. I'm, I'm fortunate enough uh, when my wife and I want to relax. OK, let's say the cats aren't driving us batshit crazy. We sit down and we put on, I don't know, some animated movie like Home or we'll put on, you know, something like Deadwood. I know those are two we very different examples. mean she'll sit down and she'll play uh, an Into one of my storage spaces or my attic or my basement because i have like all the storage everywhere and i'll take out a box and i'll say like tonight um after this interview while i'm doing some some record keeping i'm doing an interview with the creator of army ants so oh. tonight all i'm working on is i'm looking over my samples to make sure because there was a A weird thing about two of the characters, one of them they never made, and there's – so I'm talking to the creator to – so tonight I'm in love with army ants. And (laughs) I can – when I went to college, there was a – I think – I don't know if I've said this on this show, but uh, I don't think I did. There was a professor that I worked with, and I worked at a a university for many years, and this guy was a genius – his name was Professor Robert Waugh, W-A-U-G-H. And he was a Lovecraft and Joyce, James Joyce specialist, genius. Went to Harvard, worked on his Ph.D. until they told him when he was disserting, you have to stop. I think he got up to like 250 pages. They said, you got it. We confer the degree. You're a doctor. <laughs> Go do stuff. <laughs> he was a genius. And I worked at that time when I was in grad school. I worked at a video store (coughs) and Robert Waugh would come in and he'd rent two DVDs or two VHS tapes or whatever it was. He'd rent one award winner, Lawrence of Arabia, Shawshank Redemption, The Godfather 2, and then he'd rent a movie that really wasn't an award winner, Jingle All the Way, (laughs) Snow Dogs 8. And it, it just it, it kind of confused me. And he was a nice guy, a little eccentric, a genius man on top of the mountain. I said, Professor Wong, why I noticed that you're renting, um, you're renting this award-winning movie, but you also have like this dreck. He said. <laughs> that movie has the best dog sledding scene ever. <laughs> and I said, what? Or I'd ask him about this. And I'm like, what's this? Best beer burping reindeer I've ever seen. <laughs> and I, I kind of a take that approach to toys and to toy lines, which is when I'm writing my books or my guides, regardless of the line, there's someone in the United States, in the world, who might be in love with that one character that you despise Crystal Ball in the G.I. Joe line. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Twilight Sparkle in My Little Pony. There may be a character that you're not too fond of, but someone else worships. Yeah. So I always take that into consideration. I always trying to find, even if the line is not considered a success by any means it should be memorialized in a respectful way. So that's if my job is to memorialize these, these toys in a, with a critical lens, then I'm going to do it respectfully. And, and even though Star Wars fans might not like the 1980 Glamour Gales, three and three-quarter inch rooted hair dolls, but they were made by Kenner, and they made a doll stand for the Glamour Gales that was a direct mold of the Star Wars action figure display stand from 1978. Yep. So, you know, there's there's stuff that's redemptive in every single toy line. Monster High is the best toy line that's come out in the last 10 years, or one of the best. It's just leaving this iteration, and they're going to reintroduce it in the fall. Yeah. You know, if you look at the first year of Monster High from, let's say, July 2010 until December... The first versions of Frankie Stein and Draculaura and Abby Abominable and Spector Vondegeist and all those characters are going to skyrocket soon. Yeah. They're already expensive. They're gonna get way more expensive. So get your Claude Wolf and Claudine Wolf now because they're gonna be prohibitively expensive. And if you I try and find something redemptive with every toy line. That's my job.
1: Well, there's always some character or some vehicle or something in almost every line that makes you go, oh, that's pretty cool, you know? Yes. Yeah. Or just an idea, like you mentioned earlier with the air raiders, the whole idea of them all. Now, I mean, like, you could put strings up around your room, and they had, like, didn't they have, like, things where you push the pump and they'd shoot out along yes. the string now, or something, right? they
0: didn't have string. That was Sky Commanders. But oh, air that was raiders, Sky Commanders. Yeah. Air Raiders okay. were all air-powered, and, and here's, there was... The biggest vehicle in the line is very expensive. It's called the Man-O-War. Every piece in that toy line is either is either plastic, hard plastic, or soft plastic.
1: Like there's but a this, pump action, yeah, right?
0: This Man-O-War has a pump action, and it has this little styrofoam ball. Like this little orange styrofoam ball with little holes all in it that is so, it's so, um, it's an aberrance. It's so different from anything in the line. It makes it kind of fascinating. So, yeah. you know, there's there's always something strange in every line that I can that I can glom onto. Plus, consider particularly with the 80s, the early 90s, and the late 70s, the narratives that that was back in a time when companies put their faith into the creative side. Let yeah. them run wild with great ideas that didn't talk down to kids, so they didn't have to put the line, this person does not depict anyone living or dead. you know, they, there's, there's something that I always bring up when I'm talking about this, which is Samuel Taylor Coleridge had an idea about suspension of disbelief, the, the romantic poet. And he said that that if if a writer, or a creator or an artist can render uh, an imaginative world so well, so expertly that it totally suspends your disbelief that you buy into it, that you buy into it, that you buy into it. He is then created what's called poetic faith. You now have faith in this fictional world, in this fictional product, and you buy into that narrative. And that's what those those guys in the 80s, those gals in the 80s that were constructing these worlds, that's what they did so that we bought into it and we believed in their fictional worlds. And uh, as testament to those folks, G.I. Joe and Transformers and Star Wars and My Little Pony and Strawberry Shortcake still exist today because of how – well, speaking
1: of narrative mark i wanted to bring up i think like recently i've been trying to go back and find a lot of the cartoons you know they've been putting them out on dvd and things like that and i got the centurions and i was floored by how adult the cartoon was i was like they were using terminology and space technology like when they were docking with the ship you know he's like there was like an orbiting space station or something and one of the guys had the dock with the ship and when when they were docking they were actually like we need to move the right thruster through they were like using terminology from the space program to try and line up the nozzles so they would fit into the capsule and be captured, you know. So I was like they were using the, like real technology, sophisticated speech, and I was like they yeah, just like you said they weren't talking down to the kids. Well,
0: and and the best toy lines like the GI Joe comic book written by Larry Hama. Yes. or, or when when Coleco's Starcom line partnered with the young astronauts program. You know, they they went to such great Have you ever heard of the line Sectors? Oh, I love them, yes. They're they're a bunch of insect action figures. Half insect, half fan. Yeah, yeah. they were released by Coleco in the mid-80s, and I just picked up a a membership kit exclusive. Oh, uh, wow. When you order a fan club, and this thing has pennants and flags, but it also has one sheet where it tells you uh, the alphabet of Symbion of the fictional world. Oh, wow. Now, so I have this alphabet sheet. And it just so happened that upstairs in my kitchen I have a sectars mug that I bought back in nineteen eighty. I didn't even know what I bought. <laughs> Around the rim, the top lip of this mug are these runes. Yeah. Are these these letters that that look runic, like something that Tolkien would do. So I looked at this sheet, the alphabet. And I looked around the rim of the sectors mug that were made by two different companies. And I realized that the letters around that I've been looking at on this cup for so long are letters that spell something out based <laughs> on this alphabet. So, you know, it, the cup didn't come with any explanation. They left it up to kids to make that logical drip jump to use their critical thinking skills. Yeah. And, you know, on my website, I'll, I'll post all this stuff um and and it's amazing what great lengths they took to suspend our our disbelief Whether yep yep I'm trying to finish right now um i was interrupted by that movie for a little while and everything oh that was horrible but, but what it did was it skyrocketed all the yes, prices yes. so now the prices are back down and i can buy all the accessories i need to finish my misfits but you know, they just they took their time and and really delivered great packages to kids. And I know oh, that yeah. so I know that parents groups, myself. yeah, the parents groups are gonna come down at me and saying, "Well, these were licensed." They just they were 24 minute toy commercials. Yeah, but they were great 24 minute <laughs> toy commercials. They were magnificent. Um, and I I don't know if we'll, you know. There, there are a few things that have come close, but I don't know if we'll see something like that again. You know, we'll see movies.
1: Ben, ben 10.
0: Yeah, oh, that's... Mm,
1: yeah, that's, know? that's probably one of the the, or the original... Like, an original product, a new line that has come out in the last, <clears throat> what, 10 years or so that has really
0: taken off. I mean... So, I'll, I'll tell you a quick Ben 10 story. When the line was first released at Toy Fair... They made a promotional cereal in a cereal box called Ben 10 Omnitrixes. (laughs) And they were little, like, corn puffs put into a colorful green box with Ben on it. And they gave them out in a Bandai press kit back in, I don't know, 2003? No, it had to be 2005 or 2006. I don't remember when. Yeah, I don't when it was released and I still have this cereal box and I have not ah. found it anywhere else. But I've got to look that up. Oh, but I wow. thought it was fascinating that they used cereal to promote the toy line. Oh, it's a great wow. toy. Line. I agree. Yeah. It's a magnificent toy line.
1: Yeah. There were so many amazing and fascinating figures. And I think it was a little overlooked for a little while, but then and now... role play
0: too. the role. Play oh, yeah. Awesome. But I
1: mean, just now I just see like lots of them going up and up and I'm finding them a lot around in garage sales and, uh, thrift stores and stuff and they always seem to be like very well put together figures things stay oh, yeah. with them you don't lose a whole lot maybe like they they had accessories but the wings stay on the figures the arms stay on the figures you know they're very well built
0: and it was a great cartoon
1: too. and they look cool of, yeah
0: <laughs> yeah it took it took pokemon to to another logical uh otter step it added more super science to it, and I think it worked.
1: Yeah. Well, hey, on that on that note, maybe we should start taking steps ourselves and step on out of here, because uh, we got to let you get going, Mark. You got another call.
0: Yes, I have a couple other things I need to do tonight in anticipation for a day full of work tomorrow for July Fourth. <laughs> Woohoo! And I will not be on a beach because I cannot use a laptop on a beach as much as my wife would love to be on a beach tomorrow. There but I go. was just saying that because Christina was on a beach today. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, I've heard it, they're it, fun places. Uh,
2: yes, they are fun. Um, I was at a particular beach called Dog Beach today where everybody can let their dogs run off leash and oh, nice. oh, you can oh, wow, have them off it's It's. It's not really even crowded because there's only dog owners in that whole section. So. Awesome.
0: Awesome. We need more of those places. Yeah.
1: Well, hey, Mark, thanks a lot for joining us tonight and talking toys. And uh, everybody out there, make sure you check out his book, The Ultimate Guide to Vintage Transformers Action Figures. I mean, it covers all the way up into the early 90s, right?
0: It's, uh, it's the entire Generation 1 line. So it's from... The first series of Transformers toy product in 1984, all the way up to the final series in
1: 1990. Yep. And, uh, I mean, I was amazed that you even had pretenders, you had all the headmaster, you had the power weapon master. I mean, it was
0: a fantastic. It's, yeah, it's everything that was everything. made by Hasbro in the vintage line. Every figure vehicle, weapon accessory, creature place at mail-in promotion. It's incredible, incredible. Thank you very much. And uh, hopefully the next time I'll be on is either for the next edition of Toys and Prices or to talk about the release of the website, which I've been working on since 1947. <laughs> An all-inclusive awesome. website. Yeah. It's going Thank to be you. Huge. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Christina. Stay Thank you, here. Jason. Thank you, John. I really appreciate you having me on. And, and anytime, let me know. I love talking toys with you folks. All right. Thanks a lot. Right on. And I'll talk to you guys soon. And thank you for listening, everyone out in radio audience land. Thank you very (laughs) much for listening. Bye-bye.
1: See you later. Thanks, Mark. You're
0: welcome.
1: You've been listening to The Super Awesome Geek Show with John Adams, Jason Rigdon, Eric Locke, Matt B., and Rob Clifford. The Super Awesome Geek Show is part of Kingdom of the Geeks. We put up new episodes every Friday. You can find us on iTunes and on the website at superawesomegeekshow.com. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash superawesomegeekshow. Follow us on Twitter at awesomegeekshow. And if you'd like to help, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com dot superawesomegeekshow. Or make one of the purchases of our fine toys, art, and collectibles on the eBay store, stores.ebay.com slash kingdomofthegeeks. All your support does help, and we really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to be on the show, just contact us, superawesomegeekshow at gmail.com. Well, that about wraps it up. Thanks a lot for listening, and see you next Friday on the Super Awesome Geek Show!